50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. From Parcast comes Horoscope Today, a daily podcast that gives you a personal forecast for your everyday life every day. Each morning, rise to a new daily outlook tailored specifically to your sign. So whether you need guidance on your daily commute to get you through your daily grind or just to help ease those little daily meltdowns we all have, Horoscope Today is here to guide you. Listen to Horoscope Today every day, free on Spotify. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. This is actually the first time we're ever recording from LA, right? Oh, how exciting. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I know. It's very fitting. We are very in clo- close proximity to Calabasas. Um, okay. First off, just a little housekeeping. Justin Sylvester is coming in like an hour and we're recording our regular episode, which will air tomorrow, which we're so excited about. He's the best. Um, I just want to say... This episode was some shit. And I feel like we're about to be so kind of serious and in-depth because there were so many different topics covered. Like, holy shit. No, there was a million things and like all of them in my mind, serious. I just, I feel like we have never gotten this kind of unfiltered behind the scenes look at these conversations as we are getting this season. And you're right. You said like, I made fun of you, obviously. You're like, it's my favorite season so far. But I I really honestly think that this could end up being one of the best seasons because I think they're taking such a different approach to it. No, they totally are. I really believe, I think every episode has been stacked. Every episode, we're like, this is the shit we care about. So I don't know. I, I just have so much to say. Do you? Oh my God, please, let's get into it. Scene by scene. Okay, so we start out at this new spa in Beverly Hills that was opened by Kamora Lee Simmons. And it's a Korean spa that... Kim and Chloe go to get these like CBD scrub. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to a Korean spa, but this is their thing. These really intense scrubs. They basically like do your entire body. It's not, I wouldn't say it's like the most glamorous treatment. You don't get there. You don't go there for like the glitz and glam. You go there to really get a good exfoliation. It's amazing. And they go, and it was like a good way to set it off. I always love when they have their famous friends making very casual cameos, don't you? Like Me too. It's like also, it's it's so support. Obviously, there's a reason they're supporting her spa. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're very good about that. Like you see this a lot. It's whether it's going to Jonathan's Burger Place or Kamora Lee Simmons, you know, Beauty Place. Because how many of us, especially those that have access to LA, like are close enough, are like, oh, we should go there. Right. You know, it's, it's the best marketing one can get. Okay, things start there. Well, scene two, we're at Kim's house, and... Kim is showing Chloe the plan for Chicago's room. So Chloe starts to really talk about Tristan. I have so many thoughts in this episode. So many. I can't even. On every single scene. I know. Every single one. I know. Keep going. Okay, so Chloe says, quote, I had therapy with Tristan on Saturday. I desire to have a good coexisting relationship with him, but I can't see myself ever being able to trust him. He said, I know you and your family made this a big media thing. And I said, do you not think this is something, do you think this is something I would want out there? Which sets us up for the whole conversation where Kim basically says that it's, She's saying in her confessional that it's such an unspoken issue within their family that everybody thinks that they do stuff just kind of for the attention. Right. The other thing about Tristan saying this is it's such a classic manipulative move to switch the narrative and be like, whoa, 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 this wasn't even that big of a deal. It was just your family blew it up and it's your fault that this got to such a point. Yeah, which let's get into, let me just finish explaining the conversation then I'll tell you more about it. So Chloe says, quote, At the end of the day, it's already out there, and if Tristan was going to cheat, he was going to cheat, and it was going to be public at some point. I'm so offended that it had to be with her. I don't know if I told you, but yesterday she texted and said she wanted to talk, and I don't know if I need to talk because I don't get closure out of this deal, because I will never feel like I can let her back into my life again. Kim says, you don't have to, Chloe. I feel like Kylie's leaning more towards that, and that's fine, and for the love of my sister, I don't mind talking to her. Wow. First of all, this is the type of things I mean. Usually, you get the full thing. You don't usually get the after two months that Jordan texted you wanting to talk. It's, it, that is insane to me. And also, you don't usually get that Kylie is saying that, or that Chloe thinks that Kylie is leaning towards more in, in the direction of being friends with Jordan again. We have, this was all things that we had speculated up until this point. Now we're starting to get the insights of like, maybe Kylie is thinking about that. Maybe Chloe is al- allowing that to happen. So 
the thing is, if you guys remember when this immediately broke, obviously we were sad for Chloe, but I think all of us, like the, the diehard real Kardashian like lovers thought, you know, their hearts went out to Kylie. And Chloe says this in her confessional. She's like, I feel like this whole thing, this whole situation has kind of been so focused on me that it's like Kylie's pain has been forgotten about. She's like, and I, one, don't want that to be the case. And I want to ask Kylie, like if she wants to have the conversation. And Chloe's saying, she's like, I, you know, if Kylie wants her around, I'm not going to be argumentative. I'm not going to fight back. I just have to move on. And Kim kind of says to her, like, you really just need to talk to Kylie, which thank God she said that because that's how I was feeling. Right. (laughs) But it's also, it's so typical Chloe in this scenario to say, like, I'm I'm not going to be argumentative or upset if Kylie wants to take her. Like, Chloe has every single right to say, like, I I can't believe Kylie would even think about doing that. Like, I can't believe Kylie's going to want to be her friend again. Like, realistically, if she said that, no one would blame her. But it's just so typical Chloe in the way she thinks and the way she operates to say whatever Kylie wants. Like, if Kylie's happy, then I understand, and I'm happy too, and I can move past that. Yeah, she was. this was like a very, very mature conversation. And honestly, I know sometimes Kim can play the role of the instigator, but she really wasn't. She was being, like, she was taking the mature approach of being like, you know what, you just got to talk to Kylie which obviously we get into later on. So that's that's that scene. Moving on to the next scene, Chris and Chloe are at Kylie Cosmetics, and this sets us up for the whole narrative that we'll see later on about Kim's security and how she you know, beefed up security at her house and how the rest of the family is kind of having trouble with it, right? right? And Chris is asking Chloe, like, do you ever have an issue getting into Kim's house? All of a sudden, I'm, I have to sign NDAs. I'm getting, you know, ID'd. And Chloe's like, listen, I go through the front door like a normal person. When you're like hopping the fence, obviously they're going to say something. Right. So we kind of see this happen. And to me, the, to me, this entire narrative, yeah, fine. It was, it was, I guess, necessary. But it was really more so a message to the public of like the security at Kimye's house is so fucking stacked. Don't even think about it. Right. Didn't like, you feel do that way? not fucking try anything. Yeah, it was such a message to everyone else. Like this is what I mean. This normally would be an irrelevant plot line, but I'm so interested in the way she's talking about the ins and outs of the security and what the family has to go through. And and first of all, why this isn't a more well-oiled machine. Wouldn't you think that there would just be like, okay, here's your list of people that have clearance. Here, let's get them ID badges at this point. I know. It's, it's just so interesting. It is. And also, I think that the reason that this was a storyline versus like Courtney's house was— and maybe I'm just thinking too much into it. Was in you know in light of the Paris robbery that yeah, and Kim says that at one point. Kim's whole thing now was safety for one of the first times in forever. She wore her diamond ring like this. I week. also think that Kim and Kanye are probably and they know this bigger targets than Courtney and her family. Oh, for sure. Not to say anything in terms of Courtney and her family not being protected, but you know if you're gonna go to rob somebody between the two of their fanatic fans, Kanye's included. You just can never be too careful on top of Kim's Paris robbery. Exactly. So I just think that that was like a message to the public. But again, it was super. I know for those of you like us, you were so interested. Like when she was watching that footage, when you saw how many guards, because it's something we always talk about. Like, are they there 24-7? How do they get paid? Like, are they on retainer? Like, these are all questions we have. So again, add those to the list of the inconsequential questions that we are going to ask them eventually. Yes? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Guys, there were so many different plot lines. Holy shit, I'm so excited. Okay. And all of them good. All of them were so good. So the next one, we're at Courtney's house, and it's Courtney with Mason and Chloe. And this kind of sets us up for the whole theme, which I cannot wait to get to talk about the scene that I know you guys are all thinking of with Scott and Corey, of, you know, the difference between maybe Courtney and Scott's parenting techniques or the difference between their techniques versus other people. So it starts by Courtney asking Mason to set the table, and she kind of like— he kind of whines, and she's like, listen, he asks why. And she's like, remember, we have chores. Which, by the way, I'm not saying this doesn't happen behind closed doors, but, like, good for them for making it a known thing to all the people that say their kids do nothing. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like they had to throw it in. They but had to throw it in. Yeah. So tell them about tell them about Rain and Penelope. So Rain and Penelope now are sitting on the couch on Courtney, kind of vying for her attention, and she's talking to Chloe. You see Mason off on the side setting the table, and Rain's like grabbing on her. They're both like grabbing on her. And Rain's like, cough drop. I need a cough drop. Get me a cough drop now. And Chloe has to be the one that steps in and is like, is that how you speak to your mother? Like, you don't even say please. Like, Rain, say please and ask for a cough drop. And also, while this is all going on, you can see Chloe being like slightly judgy off in the corner. Like, get, get a, come on, get a little control over here. Yeah. The thing with this scene is that And Keeping Up with the Kardashians often does this where they're introducing a new plot point and they want to set it up before they get into the major major scene. So, for example, a a couple of seasons ago, not the most recent fight, but 
when there was an issue between Kendall and Courtney and like how they didn't really get along. They kind of took the whole episode to introduce this plot line that Kendall and Courtney aren't close. Meanwhile, we had never really seen signs of it before. So this is just what they're doing now is they're setting the scene now and making it seem like there's all these parenting issues involved and all these behavior issues involved just to get to that bigger scene at Nobu. Exactly. They're, that's such, I love when you play director. This is when Julie watching a lot of TV really comes in like in handy because you're like, that's a, that was a very true move. Yeah, they, and it wasn't, I don't want to use the word disapproving. It wasn't like they were setting us up to show that the family disapproves of their childing uh, parenting techniques. It was more so just acknowledging it. Right, it they, was really bringing it to light that like, you know, this this is an issue that has been commonly discussed and this is an issue in the episodes, but let's point it out a little more obviously so you're not just being thrown into this idea. Exactly. And when you think about the kids on Ellen and the way they were behaving and the way Rain was so hyperactive and, and talkative and couldn't, you know, couldn't stop and sit still for one second, that makes sense in terms of this plot line. Yeah. One of the things, before we move to the next scene, because keep all this knowledge we just said in the back of your head because we're going to come back to it, but one of the things that Courtney says to in the confessional, she says that her dad was always a stricter one growing up and that he kind of was a disciplinarian, but that he did it in a very loving way and that she tries to emulate that, but she feels like she kind of falls short because she doesn't she doesn't find it so easy to kind of be strict, which we see a lot later. But I thought it was interesting, like, you know, I think as you get older, especially when you start to think about having kids, you naturally compare it to your parent your your parents' technique. And specifically when that parent isn't here anymore, you think even more about it. So I just right. thought that was such an interesting thing. Okay, we're moving on now to the Kylie skin shoot, which, like, I know it was brief, but I loved that behind the scenes. Same. Ugh, and little Stormy. No. Please. I can't. You guys, we've said this so much. Stormy is, like, she's taking over. She's so goddamn cute. I told you. A she always of, held a little special place in my heart. I know, but she's really making her place known. She's yeah. not fucking around. I know. No, duh. I know. She's fucking coming for you, she Nora. Is. <laughs> Watch your back. So we see now they're behind the scenes and Chloe's kind of talking to Kylie about the idea of going on this wine tour and they've never gone before. And she says, and I quote, we'll fly in and out one day and we'll be back to put our kids to sleep. First of all, I love how easy it is. And I love when they make it clear that that's a priority for them. Like putting their kids to bed is a priority that they're just not willing to sacrifice. Exactly. And she's saying, Chloe's saying to us, which by the way, for all of you that were messaging us, yeah, Chloe's tits have never looked better. Someone literally wrote in our in our in the Facebook group and was like, I'd like to introduce the newest uh, member of season 17 or whatever it's season Chloe's it is. Tits, like, yeah. Chloe's tits. Oh my god. They should have their own confessional. First off, no bra, which like you guys know I could not support more. Her nipples were out. She, they just looked amazing. When she always says she wants a boob job, I wanted to say to her, like, either you got one and it looks amazing, or you don't need one. Yeah. Like keep doing what but you're either doing. Either one of those two things, but either way, it's fucking working for working you. Working for you. She's her confessional looks have been on point this year. Anyway, and so they're kind of she's, you know, saying that it's a good time to talk with the Jordan thing. And then they're saying how Last time when they went with Courtney, which I know you guys remember that episode when Chris was blackout, that Chris was the best time. So they FaceTime Chris. She's obviously coming. And we're like, thank God. I mean, what would Napa be without Chris? Something I love, though, is like you hear Chloe go, you know what? Let's bring Chris Jenner. I love. There is something so funny to me about Chloe like calling her Chris Jenner. When they first name, last name their mom. Yeah, but it's not all of them. It's only when Chloe does it for me. It's like fair. when Kim says it, it's like, why are you why are you calling her Chris Jenner? But when Chloe says it, it's like fucking Chris Jenner is about to come it's out. It's so true. Okay, so the next scene, this is when things heat up a little. We're at Courtney's house, and she gets a call from Mason's principal. And she's saying, you know, you hear her say, like, his dad and I will both talk to him about it. So she's telling Chloe that what happened was basically Mason was playing with this kid at school, and they were playing, you know, with, with the kid's new ball. They both wanted to serve, and Mason said to him, like, do you want to fight? And he kind of started to look like he was going to fight, which he's telling, she's telling this to Chloe, and I know it's like a serious thing, obviously, you know, kids fighting at school, but there was a party that was like, Wow, Mason, you're such a fucking grown-up. Like, like what? Uh, yeah, like, how do you know? Who taught Mason about fighting? Who taught Mason about fighting? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I know I just was caught off guard for a second. Um, and so Courtney says, quote, he was supposed to go to his friends. Do I cancel it? And she's like, I think it's fine. And you can see that Chloe kind of makes a face as in, like, I would cancel it. But I think something that's really amazing about Chloe is that she never wants anyone to feel like she's intervening on their parenting. Right. Because she knows how—she knows this is what it is. She can understand how many people would make comments about hers and her situation with Tristan and all this stuff, that she's the last one to make any sort of public judgments. Exactly. Which I think is, like, an incredible amount of self-awareness. Although behind closed doors, you know she has a million and one oh, opinions. But that doesn't matter. Right. She can have whatever she wants, but she doesn't say Especially it. in the moment when, like— Yeah. Yeah. So— Courtney says to the confessional, she's like, you know, before I, we make any decisions, like, I want to hear from Mason what happened, which I really appreciated this. Like, I always think in childcare that that's the best approach. Like, don't treat the kid as guilty. Let's hear them out first. You yeah. know what I mean? And hear what they have to say. Um, 
and they they FaceTime Mason like casually in the car. Like I don't know why, just that killed me. Yeah. Like, well, I just think because when we were kids, it was never like our parents couldn't just FaceTime us and be like, yo, what happened at school today? It was like, they had to wait till you got home. And then you were like a little anxious because you had to wait until you were having a conversation. Like, he exactly. can just do it on the phone. If he, dec- if he decides that the conversation he's getting yelled at, he could just hang up on Courtney. It, it was so funny. And and Chloe and Courtney says to him, like, you know, you can't just be fighting people. And she's like, I know. He was super honest. He said exactly what happened. And so she decides she's going to let him go to the sleepover. And that, again, just keep that in the back of your head because I think that decision kind of sets for what we're about to get into. Well, and the other side of it is that Courtney acknowledges that there's still consequences. Like, she's trying to still teach Mason a consequence, but in her own ways, where she's like, you're not getting off scot-free. You're still, you know, going in on Monday and talking to the principal again and writing an apology letter. But because you were so honest with me, I'm going to reward you for your honesty and you can still go to the sleepover. Yeah. There's something cool about seeing, like, I just think the fact that we get to see these people in such a multifaceted ways, like, to think about people in your life you may know them like as a parent, but you don't also get to see them in their business setting and also the way they are as a daughter and also the way they are as a granddaughter. Like, I just think what's so cool about this, the Kardashians is that we get to see Courtney both in her relationship sense, both as a friend, both as a sister, as a daughter, as a mom, as a businesswoman. Like, you know what I mean? We're really getting to see all these different sides. And I just, I don't know, it was really cool for some reason to- No, it is cool. And it's it's interesting to observe the way personalities change throughout- who she's dealing with because Courtney also to everyone else but her kids is is that stricter, harsher one. And it I think because of that and because of that uh, persona that she carries with other people, I think with her kids, she's really hyper aware of it. So she so badly wants to not be that for her kids. She wants to be the person that like her kids don't have to be afraid of and that they can go to. And I think now she's struggling with this idea of like, how do I get that across, but still let them know that there's a disciplinarian involved here? I totally agree. So we've talked about this company before, but we just want to tell you guys about Brewmate. It's honestly such a cool invention. And basically, so their founder, this guy Dylan, he was not a fan of warm alcohol, as none of us are. And that's why he decided to found Brewmate. And the whole idea is that this company kind of keeps your beverages cold so that drinking even in warm weather can be a positive experience. And, you know, we got these, we tried them, and it's amazing. Like, first off, they come in so many different designs and so many styles, We got the one that I got as a gift. It looks basically like a wine bottle. And the whole idea is that you can just pour the wine into it and it keeps the wine that you'd be drinking cold. So one, there's no glass, which is amazing. There's no like breaking outside. And two, you can be sitting outside and it can be an hour, two hours and your beverage is still cold. It's honestly a game changer and an unbelievable gift. So don't settle for warm alcohol. Chill out with your favorite drinks all day long with Brewmate. Visit brewmate.com and add code CELEBS to get 15% off your first order. That's 15% off your first order when you go to brumate.com and add code CELEBS. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Next scene, they basically just go to cryotherapy. And the only reason I wanted to mention this was because it, <laughs> I did it. And it's they were not like, it's exactly the way they conveyed it is exactly how it is. Like you are fucking freezing. Like you can, you're doing everything in your power. And in, you see them in the moment, they're like jumping around and they get out and the woman's like, yeah, I mean, jumping just kind of makes you colder. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, couldn't you have told us that ahead of time? But every time I see it, because every time I see cryotherapy, I'm like, oh, maybe I could do that. And every time I see somebody do it, I'm like, fuck it, never mind. I don't even need I to. I fucking love yeah, it. I can't. Okay, this is so good. So they're in, Chloe and Courtney are in the car and Courtney's on the phone with Scott and she's telling him kind of how Mason got in trouble at school. And not that she's, 
not that she's dismissing it, but she's kind of just saying what happened and saying, you know, she's letting him go to the sleepover. And you hear Scott be like, wait, Court, like, that's kind of a big deal. Like, fighting people is not, why are we being so casual about this? Right. Like, Scott was more really caught off guard by it, whereas I think Courtney was like, okay. Courtney had more of a kids will be kids mindset to it, and Scott was really taken aback. Like, this is more serious than just, like, calling somebody a name on the playground. This is, like, He's threatening to fight, and for a nine-year-old, it's not typical behavior. Yeah, so Courtney says him, like, oh, shit, do you think that I should go pick him up, like, from the, the sleepover? And Scott goes, of course, he doesn't just get to go to a sleepover after getting in trouble at school. Which, I don't know, maybe it's because we don't see that side of Scott a lot. I was intrigued. And aside from it being the hottest thing ever, like, oh aside from Scott in dad mode making me just, like, so fucking horny, he yeah. also happens to be very rational. Well, the thing with Scott is that we're now seeing a new era of Scott, which is not only him being a good dad, but him being really self-aware about himself. And I think what comes with that is Scott being really hyper-aware that he's not going to pass on those bad qualities he had down to his kids. And one of the things that plagued Scott that we saw in the early seasons of Keeping Up was that he had a temper. And I think with Scott, part of this is, okay, how do we parent our kids? What's the best way? What's the best way to discipline? But also, like, is there a fear in me that thinks that that he's just going to get this temper no matter what. Yeah, well, Scott, okay, the exact quote is, my biggest problem as a kid was not having any respect for authority because I didn't have any consequences. And that's one of the big things I wanted to change when I had kids. And again, like to hear him say that out loud was like, yeah. Like one could say, and who knows, hindsight is twenty twenty. Like one could say that if Scott's, if Scott had more consequences in, in his house during his childhood, maybe he wouldn't have been shoving the money down the waiter's throat in Vegas. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying one could argue that. No, and I think that's probably something that Scott's dealing with where it's like, it, is it that I didn't have consequences as a kid or would I have ended up like that anyway? Right. Is this the path that I was going down? And therefore, does that mean that, you know, if Mason's threatening to fight kids at school, no matter how many consequences he has and no matter the way I'm parenting him, is this still something that's just going to happen because it's innately who he is and it was innately who I am? Yeah, I also, totally. I also thought the way that, like, Scott and Courtney were talking about it was really good because Scott wasn't shaming her for the decision that she made. Like, he wasn't shaming her leniency. He was more so bringing a different perspective to her attention in a really respectful way. And they both kind of remained calm about it. Well, that's the other thing is that we always see them together. I am so happy. I know. Like, well, this, this episode is, has so guys, much and I want to talk about every aspect of it. How the fuck did we get so lucky with this episode? I, I truly don't get it. I, I can't believe it. Like, I just can't believe it. But keep going. But usually when we see Scott and Courtney interact, I'm like, oh my God, they're so good at co-parenting and they're so good at, at being together and coexisting. It's because they're like hanging out and they're doing all these fun activities with their kids and they're able to be together. And for us, that was, oh my God, look at that co-parenting. This is the next level of co-parenting where it's like, how do we have a discussion about our kids? That's not a fight. That's we're on the same page because a lot of parents who are married can't do that the way they just did. Yeah. And that was the first time I think we really got to see them as parenting and the way they are actually the definition of co-parenting. It's so fucking true. And Courtney then asks Chloe, you know, what she thinks. And Chloe says, she's like, listen, I'm not the father, but I think you should listen to what he thinks, which I'm glad she said that. Same. Okay. Next next scene. We're moving on to Chloe, Kylie, and Chris talking about going to Napa. And they're saying how like crazy it is that Courtney's 40. And they start talking about how, you know, when Stormy turns 40, how Kylie's going to be so young. And Chris gets so emotional because she's like, I'm not going to be here. Well, she starts crying, and they're like, Chris, what are, what are you crying about? She's like, I know I'm not going to be here. They're like, this is not the time for you to have that realization. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's so, it was so interesting because I think for so many of us, the way that we look at it is like, oh my God, not only do you have this many grandchildren, you also still have your mother. Like, I, Chris, is, Chris is 61 years old. Stop, and just, you know I can't talk about it, MJ. It's no, really but, so— But that's what I'm saying. Like, we never think about it in that regard. And so to, to have hear her kind of have that moment of, of like— Sadness was just, I don't know, I guess we weren't thinking about it that way, but it was, it was, it was like emotional. It's, was Chris always this emotional or is this getting like? Not in this way. She's really she, like, every, I've seen her cry nine times an episode of the past two seasons. I think honestly, like she may have always been, but I think in the beginning she was so focused on getting them to where they were that she didn't have time to be emotional. Like she had to just be fucking full force. Yeah. But I honestly think the whole Caitlyn thing really rocked her, like really rocked her world. Like it was, you know what I mean? And I think that that definitely changed some things for her. Yeah, I mean, they've also thinking about it, had a number of events that really rocked her. And I guess also as her mother is getting older, she's starting to really think about it. And as her youngest daughter has a kid, like, yeah. you know, I don't Ooh, know. Wow. And your oldest daughter's 40? Yeah. yeah. She said, she's like, you'll see how I yeah. feel, how you feel. That's kind of looming. It's, cra- it's crazy to think about. 
So Chloe then says, I'm going to be, they're talking about when Stormy's 40. She goes, I'm going to be 70. My face frozen as fuck. I'll be so fly, covered in diamonds. Chris Jenner's diamonds, of course, because someone has to take them. We'll be like the Golden Girls, me, Courtney, and Kim going to Stormy's 40th. That was a, that was imagery that I've always fucking needed. I waited my entire life for the imagery of the three of them as Golden Girls. Something I love also is that Chris is crying about not being there when Stormy's, when Stormy's 40. And Chloe's like, yeah, yeah, but I'll have your diamonds. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's not like she's comforting her. Like, it's okay. You lived a wonderful. It's like, yeah, but I'll have your diamonds. So yeah. Who cares? Which honestly <laughs> probably makes her feel. Like, it was just so funny hearing them say there's not even any animosity because they all have so many of their own. You know what I mean? No, it's not like that at all. Yeah, it, was just it was just funny. funny. It was. Okay. We are at the next scene. So Kim is at this <laughs> doctor. How do you say it? Canodia? Yeah, that's what I think so. Well, let's say. And she's saying that she's obsessed with his lasers. A total, like, side note that really only applies to the super intense fans is that— oh, You mean the people that are yeah, here? Yeah, I'm really <laughs> hoping that you guys don't think we're crazy, is that typically their go-to is Dr. Orion, and we've noticed recently—I'm not saying he's not. Dr. Jason Diamond has been making more of an appearance, some of the other doctors. So, I don't know. I wonder what's happening with Nurse Jamie. You know what I mean? They're just a little Maybe more— you get an Orion discount. I don't know what's going on. So, she's trying M-sculpting, which a lot of them do, and Courtney's— talking to Kim about like her security protocol. She's kind of asking and she's saying that last time she went to Kim's house, they asked her to sign an NDA. She's like, they almost asked me to sign an MDA. And Kim goes, they almost did. They should have. And Courtney's like, I'm your fucking sister. What do you mean? Like Kim was totally unfazed by this ridiculous security situation, right? Totally. And Kim explains it and she's like, listen, like there's been so many of these robberies in Hidden Hills. So we have three main house security guys a day. Every single day there, they have the cameras. They're just like, it's run like a full military operation. Which, by the way, I, again, I waited so long to hear the logistics behind the amount of security that was constantly present. Like, didn't you? Oh, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Not not even because I doubted it for a second, but I just, I needed to know. Exactly. And also, Kim says, this is when Kim says in in her confessional about the Paris robbery, and she's like, you know, in light of these armed robberies in Hidden Hills and what I went through in Paris, like, I can never be too safe. Yeah. No, she's not wrong. So we're moving on now, and we're in Napa. And this was like, it's getting good, right? Yeah, it's getting, it's heating up. So they're at, they're at the Cornell Vineyards, and Chris kind of leaves Chloe and Kylie alone at the table. And Not even purposely. I think she just fucked up and we're like hanging out with the, <laughs> with the vineyard people. <laughs> Julie writes, what an amazing time for a serious conversation, <laughs> exclamation point. So Chloe goes, mom's having too much fun. And Kylie's like, yeah, she's crazy. And Chloe goes, everyone's kind of crazy. But I just think you're really good at being calm, even when you probably just want to scream at someone. Like to go through what we've all been through. I mean, you lost a lifelong friend and I feel really bad about that. And I just want you to be happy, which what a seamless transition there. I was going to say, if I was Kylie, I would have been so caught off guard because it was such a moment where you say something and then you're like, is is that what I said? Like, because obviously Chloe's been waiting for an end the whole time they've been in Napa, but Kylie's not aware of this. So Kylie's just like, yeah, mom's crazy. And Chloe's like, everyone's crazy. Speaking of this traumatic event that we've gone through that we never shut up about that I want to talk about again. And Kylie's like, I just wanted to drink yeah, one she's time. Like, I literally just wanted rosé. So Kylie says, we have to do some, I feel like we have to read this part because the exact words are important. Do you agree? Well, I wouldn't have written it down if we didn't. Okay. <laughs> she wrote, Kylie goes, which by the way, this happens. And then we immediately cut to a commercial break, which we had recorded. But like, for those of you that didn't, I'm sorry that you had to go through that minute of waiting. No, that was a fucked up time. Yeah, it was, it was they, they know what they're doing though. <laughs> yeah, you would think. So Kylie goes, I feel like this whole situation needed to happen for a reason. For me, for her, for you, for everybody. She was my security blanket. She lived with me. We did everything together. And I feel like there's a part of me that needed to grow without her. And sometimes people are there for certain reasons and certain times in your life and then not there for others. Obviously, I love her, but right now she's kind of doing her thing and I'm doing mine. So I'm just going with the flow. But I'm happy for her, for, but I'm happy for some weird reason. Chloe says, Good, as long as you're happy. I really respect in you that you still deal with everything, but you're just very calm about it. I think it's because you're so confident and secure with who you are, which is so wonderful, and it's a really inspiring trait you have. And Kylie said, I feel like we're all just so lucky to have each other because I, I feel like a lot of the reasons why I am the way I am is because of you guys. Okay, before we get into Chloe's confessional, I want to talk about that. We didn't watch this part together. When it happened, me and Isabel paused it and looked at each other, and we're like, so many things. First off, 
Chloe was spot on. The reason that Kylie's able to be okay is because, and I know this term is relative because like we don't know what else is going on, but she has it all. Truly. Yeah. She has an, a healthy, beautiful child. She has basically a husband type figure. She's young, gorgeous, incredibly wealthy. She has all of the money in the world. She's fully, you know, she's acknowledged for her, for her business, business savviness. She has this amazing family. Like everything and is going right And she has for that her. inner confidence because you, because one could argue also that you can have all of those things and still not feel that way inside. With Kylie, you can tell that she oozes that confidence. Right. So, but what I'm saying is that Chloe saying that was a combination of two things. The first was that part. And the second was that when I was so happy to hear Chloe say that's inspiring because Chloe has a lot of things, but that inherent like confidence is not one. It's something that has to be developed in her, which is okay. A lot of people are like that, but versus like a Kim or versus a Kylie where it comes more naturally, Kendall and Chloe, it's a little more, you know, it's harder for them to get in touch with. So I felt like her saying that was acknowledging, like, it's so amazing that you have that because I, that I'm not there yet. Right. Right. No, totally. You're spot on. And with Kylie, you know, I always say that Kylie has this more mature mentality than one would expect for her age. And, you know, a lot of people could say, you know, you have a business, you have a family, you have all these things, and that makes you mature. Yeah. The way I feel about Kylie is that her maturity allowed for those things to happen, not the other way around. I fully agree with you. Maybe, okay, actually, I mostly agree with you. And then I would say maybe 20% was it happened at the same time. Like she didn't have another choice. Right, but if you don't have that internal maturity and that internal confidence, you can't turn things like that at no. such a young age. No. There has to be a part of you that's that's able to just be confident and mature. I mean, listen, thinking about, listen, you can start Kylie Cosmetics. Anybody can. But if you're going to pre- present yourself in a business meeting and talk to people, I am a 20-year-old girl starting a multi-million dollar corporation and here's my idea, you have to have a maturity that's just innate. For sure, but let's not forget, like, I agree with you. I don't disagree. I'm just saying, let's not forget the the weight that having Kris Jenner next to your, by your side and being, you know, herself almost kind of like precedes her in the sense that, if she was a completely nameless 20-year-old going into a meeting, and this is not for me to say that I don't believe she's self-made. Like, I totally do. But I'm saying for her going into a meeting, her she has had a lot, the odds aren't stacked against her in the sense of in this particular type of meeting because her family has proven their ability to be successful and she already comes from that. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I just want to envision one, like you to envision one scenario. Take Kendall and Kylie. The type of people that they both are. You can argue the same. They're both, you know, got where they were going because they forged ahead. Kendall, despite her name, Kylie, maybe helped because of it. If you're sitting in a boardroom, right, and one of those two girls walks in, there's one that commands a room a lot differently than the other. Kylie is going to command that room, and you are going to look at her and be like, that is a businesswoman. Not just because Kylie Cosmetics is so successful. I think that when Kylie Cosmetics was started and the way she was from a young age and the way she carried herself was just different, and it wasn't fully because of her name, and it wasn't fully because Chris was standing by her side. It was just the confidence that she has. I totally agree with you. You're you're right. You're right. Her confidence has definitely been— I'm not, listen, I think it's a personality difference, but I really genuinely don't think that we can forget about what Kendall's acne situation did to her confidence in her formative years. Of course. I think that really- Although you could say the thing about Kylie and her lips. Yeah, but it was different. I I do, I genuinely, listen, I think it's a personality thing, but I do think that um, Kendall having that acne experience early on hindered her confidence in that time. Yeah. But you're right. You're actually really right. No, that's a great, that was a great um, like picture. So do you feel like we're ready to move on to Nobu or do what we want to keep going? Oh, no, I guess. Well, let's, let's just finish say that, the finishing the confessional. Chloe says in her confessional, she's like, if this conversation didn't happen, I wouldn't know what a good headspace Kylie was in, and I'm feeling better and better every day. I feel more at peace knowing Kylie's in such a good headspace right now. And she said, she's like, we, you know, everything happens for a reason, and we have each other, so we're going to survive, right? The one thing that I will say that was my takeaway from this was that I felt like Chloe went into the conversation with this idea in her head that she had a you know, talk to Kylie about this idea about speaking to Jordan. And it never once came up. It's true. There's no clarity on whether or not Chloe was going to do that or how Kylie would have felt doing that or if Chloe felt like she needed to. No, she just felt like, I think, I think. All- what, whatever she decides to do will be fine because Kylie's in such a good space. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe that was her goal. Who yeah. the fuck knows? Okay, these are the best toothbrushes, are they not? No, the best. Yeah. I We, ha- we told you guys about them before, but we're obviously going to tell you again. So it's Quip. 
Basically, this is a toothbrush that just makes brushing your teeth so easy and simultaneously so effective. So there's a couple of different reasons. First off, they have sensitive sonic vibrations, which it gives you an effective clean, but that it's also gentle on your gums, especially if they're sensitive. And what we learned is that people brush too hard and a lot of the electric toothbrushes, they're too kind of abrasive. So this is an amazing solution to that. Also, there's a built-in two-minute timer pulse, and it pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helps you kind of clean your mouth evenly. Again, up to 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. Also, they have brush heads that are automatically delivered. So on a dentist-recommended schedule, which is every three months, which I think is more frequently than a lot of us do, um, that you change your brush heads for just $5. It's like kind of a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh. And 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective, which is another fact that we learned that's just so interesting. So personally, for me, that's a deal-maker. Like, I love having to take the, the, the guesswork out of it, and I just know that every three months, a new one's going to show up. They're so portable. They're so convenient. I truly love this company. Um, and that's, again, why I love Quip and why it's perfect for getting back into a routine. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash celeb right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash celeb. Okay, guys, we're moving on to Nobu. Julie writes, Nobu, in parentheses, I feel like the Zoom filter song on Insta should play when Nobu pops up on the screen. Fucking you know, same. Like, da, 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 da. Okay, there. this was the most, ins- I am so excited to talk about the scene. Okay. So the reason they were going to Nobu was because Jonathan Shabon is officially changing his name to Food God, and they were having a dinner to celebrate it. I'm not even going to get into that because there's more important things to talk about. So Chris and Corey are the first ones there. They're kind of like doing a funny joke. Chris is like giving a fake speech, obviously, to the point that that there's no one there. And she has something on her shirt, and Corey goes to get it off. And she's like, you're just doing that to touch my boob. And I'm like, Chris. Like, I love dog. Was, you know exactly what I'm thinking of? What? When she was at Ariana Grande's video for Thank You Next, wearing oh, the juicy yeah, yeah, sweatsuit yeah. And, and or tracksuit, and, and, and her pants were really tight. And Corey's like, no one can see you looking like that. And like, we saw them be touching. It's still interesting to me. Like, even after these so many years, it has been years that they were together. But even when Chris is like, thanks, babe. I'm like, oh my God. Exactly. So... Out of nowhere, Kim is saying how, she's like, I feel like we have to speak up about everyone just blatantly talking shit. She's like, everyone's saying Chloe's a homewrecker. And Chris is like, how can Chloe be the homewrecker? And Kim's saying, she's like, everybody thinks that, you know, when Tristan and Chloe hooked up for the first time, that like, she basically stole him from his ex-baby mama, which she's right. That's a narrative that's constantly talked about, but we never see them really address it that much. So for Kim to say the like real life drama that's happening on Twitter in the show is really fucking cool, right? Right. It's also like that moment where you're like, oh, she is seeing the things we see. So then Chris is like, oh no, we got to straighten that out. Like as if she had never heard that before somehow. I don't know. And she's so... Kim Kim says, she's like, listen, I'm just saying that they always say that Chloe stole French Montana. And she's like, fuck it. I'm calling French. I got to know the truth. So Courtney FaceTimes French, which by the way, they do that little like ratata song, which is what they always both comment on each other's Instagrams. Do you know what I was thinking the first time that he commented that on hers? It was no. like some bathing suit. Her ass looked incredible in it. And he comments like rata or ratata. And I was like, that's such a nice comment. I thought he was like calling her Amrata. That's hilarious. Wow. I was like, that is so sweet. I would do anything for anybody to comment rot on my picture. Yeah. So Kim, com- <laughs> fucking same. Yeah, right? Yeah. So Kim says to French, okay, here's the thing. The sentiment has always been that you lose them how you get them. The world thinks I stole Kanye from Amber. That happened years later. I have receipts. I'm going to show them. But the thing that they always say about Chloe is that she took Tristan from his baby mama. It wasn't true. And then they always say that Chloe stole French from Trina. And French says, I was never with Trina when I started going out with Chloe. And he basically says that like, if, if you guys don't nip it in the bud now, like, nobody's going to stop talking about it. Now, I should have looked this up, but I didn't. But do you remember when French tweeted, like, retweeted something that was a claim about him and Chloe starting a relationship like that? And he tweeted, I was single when a, as a dollar bill when I first started. Do you think that was before this? Or do you think this happened as a result of this conversation that he wanted, he needed, felt he needed to clarify it? Um, Interesting. I don't know. But either way, that regardless of when this was, I thought that that was really fucking when that happened, I remember being like, that was a classy move because he didn't it, He didn't have to protect Chloe. Nobody was coming for him and saying he looked bad. Everybody was coming for Chloe. But for sake of protecting Chloe and not just himself, he said that, which I thought was a commendable thing. Let's talk about it. Let's get these two back together. Chloe he has an amazing French. relationship with the family. The kids always loved him. He clearly respects Chloe enough to even defend her when they're not together. I know. I, I don't know. I guess for some reason, I feel like it, her fire pat spark wasn't there with him. Yeah. But I could be wrong. No, I understand. (laughs) Well, I think it's something she should, you know, keep in the back of her mind. Okay. We are switching conversations now. This was like the moment we've all been waiting for. 
to when Courtney announces to the group, remember, let's just set the scene again who's there. They're at that big wooden table at Nobu, which is a very similar table when Kim and Kanye were there with Pete Davidson and fucking- uh, Same back room, probably. Who was the other guy? And Kid Cudi. What do you mean? And Kid Cudi and I Timothy forgot. Chalamet. Yeah. How you forget? It's, the- it's her, it's Julie's phone background. Not anymore. It's back to the off-white, but it was for oh. months. So anyways, <laughs> I digress. So Courtney announces to the group, she goes, oh guys, I don't have a nanny anymore. She said P was really upset and she was putting her in the car and Penelope scratched her face. But you know, P can be a little out of control. I think she almost blacks out and does these wild things. But if you're a nanny also, and Courtney, Corey jumps in, he goes, if a kid, if a kid, if a kid scratched you, you can just pop her and it's cool. Like he's asking, like he's asking, cause Courtney was kind of saying, um, the point Courtney was going to make was, I feel like if you're a nanny, then you should have the tools to deal with a child when they act out like that. Because you shouldn't, the, the Courtney, to Courtney's point, it was like, if I'm hiring you to take care of my kids full time, I am basically hiring you to step in as their mother when I can't be there and do the things that I would have done. And therefore, disciplining them goes along with that. And I can't promise that a kid at six years old is going to be perfect every time. So st- Corey responding to that was asking Courtney, like, do, like, so does the nanny, can the nanny just pop him anytime? Like if something like that happens. Yeah. And Courtney said, no, but you can also say something to her in the moment. Cause I guess maybe the nanny didn't. And Kim says to Courtney, I think you need to reach out to her and say, I'm sorry. And Chris is saying like, Courtney, I, th- I don't think you're realizing that this is kind of more serious. So she's like, I had six kids. Not one time in my entire life did anyone have a complaint like this ever. And Courtney is saying that she used to scratch kit, scratch Chris and that she also used to slap her nannies. And Chris is saying like, you need to take care of this before it goes too far, before it goes too far. And Courtney's then saying, she's like, listen, there's nothing that I can take away from P that's gonna, that she's gonna care about. She's like, with Mason, like I can take away the stuff and he cares. And Corey says, quote, I'm sorry, but if P scratches me for no reason, I'm whooping her ass. And Scott goes rogue. I'm, I'm The reason I'm like kind of reciting it is because I think that the words are important. Scott goes, what? You would whoop Penelope's ass if she scratched you? And Corey goes, I would give her a spanking for sure. And Scott basically like fucking flips out. We see him go into full dad mode. He's like, you're going to hit my daughter if she scratched you, a little six-year-old girl. And Corey's like fully not getting it. He's kind of, he's not understanding why Scott's freaking out. And and Chris very quietly kind of chimes in. And she's like, well, if she scratched him. And Kim kind of also defends Corey. And she's like, I don't think he means that he'd ever beat her. And Scott's like, my little daughter, what? You don't have kids. Don't ever talk about a child like that, ever, anyone's child. And Corey's defending himself, which we're going to get into our feelings. I just want to map out the entire thing. Corey's defending himself and he's like, I would never do it to hurt her, but I think that it's, you know, a discipline tool. And Scott's like, you're saying you would whoop my daughter's ass. And he's like, I'll whoop your ass. And 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 he, Corey says to Scott, he's like, how much love do I give your, your fucking kid? But if they scratch me in the face, you don't think they deserve to be popped? And Corey then gets in and she's like, no, not at all. Chris is trying to defend Corey. Kim's not really saying anything. Courtney and Scott are like not happy at all. And they like basically leave. But then Courtney also makes the point while they're staying there that, she now has this question about whether she can even have Penelope alone with Corey. Yeah, which we'll get into, you know, what what ends up happening, which is that Chris is really upset because she feels like, you know, um, they, everybody has made so much progress with with Corey. And now all of a sudden it's kind of like that progress is lost because of this fight. But hold on, I want to analyze what happened. I think there's a couple of really important distinctions that need to be made here. The first thing is number one, the way that this was presented, Corey was saying what he would, in this particular situation, he was saying what he would do to Penelope if he was in this situation. And I think the bigger issue here is that like, that what he meant to really say was that that's his, that's his mode of discipline, not that he would do that to their kid, more like he would do it to his kid. But because the example being used was Scott's child, it was so much more close to home. And I think what this really comes down to, and I said to Julie, like, and Corey meant, makes note of this in his confessional, that it's a difference a lot of times there's a, a cultural difference in terms of mean, ways of discipline, disciplining people. So certain cultures may think that, you know, a little ass whooping kind of is very, very common and others may have a really hard time with it. And when I was at Columbia and getting my master's in social work the first year, one of the things we talked about in our class was how if you are someone who works for child protective services and you're called to a house, that when you walk in, you have to check your internal bias at the door, meaning you can't walk in and say, because their their goal basically is to monitor, is this a sound and a safe space for a child? And the point that our professor was making was that you can't walk into that environment and judge whether or not those parents are sound based on your experience or the way that you discipline. So if you come from a family that never does that, you can't walk in and just because you know they, they hit their kid once, assume that you have to take them away. Whereas in some cultures and in some families, that's what comes naturally. And that's what Corey was saying. The difference here was that he was talking what he would do to their kid. 
So I think tensions were so high and almost unnecessarily so, both of their words were wrong. Like Corey should have snipped it in the bud and said, I'm not doing that to your child. I'm just saying that this is what, how I would handle it with my kid. See, I, and the thing is, first of all, you're spot on, 100% correct. The, the issue that happened here is that I felt like Scott kept giving him an opportunity to say, like, he, Scott kept saying, you are talking about my daughter. Do you mean you would hit my daughter if you were with her? And and Corey could not let go of this idea. Corey could have ended this whole thing saying, no, no, I'm sorry. I am in no place to hit your daughter. Yep. I'm in no place to discipline her. I This is just what I would do as a parent. And Scott's right. When you're not a parent, not only do you not get to say what the best way to discipline a child is, you definitely don't get to tell somebody else how to do it. And see, the issue here with this whole thing is that you're right. It was a difference of culture and it was a difference of opinion and it was a difference of parenting and all of these different things that that led up. But it would have been just so much easier for Corey to kind of let it go. And he couldn't because he couldn't also comprehend what Scott was saying. And the thing is with, you know, this, this kind of situation is there are times on Keeping with the Kardashians, I find, where it causes debate for people who don't watch the show. So this is one of those things where I saw all over the internet people debating, you know, is this the right tool? Is this not? Who was right in this scenario? Who was wrong? And basically what I saw online was, you know, depending on the way you grew up, you took either side. The thing that with disciplining your kid like that, which is what a lot of people were saying online, a lot of people, what I was always taught, you know, with like my child psychology classes and, and bring that into it is like, if you're hitting your kid as a, as a uh, means of discipline, it's not, don't like twist it and say, this is an abuse. That's not what anybody was suggesting here. It's just, if you're going to hit your kid as a means of discipline, that's the almost the easy way out. It means that you don't have the tools to properly figure out how to discipline because that's just an in the action moment. And that's the quickest form of discipline that you can think of. Whereas I think what Scott and Courtney were coming from is like, we don't do that because we believe in giving our kids different tools to discipline them. And that is more effective in the long run. It has been proven more effective in the long run. The issue here with the whole episode and what they set it up to be is that Courtney and Scott don't have that control over their kids. So now we're in a situation where somebody's suggesting something's wrong, but there's also not a suggestion on the other side to how to make that right. Yes, the, all of those things were, were coexisting. And I just want to say that like, yeah, the biggest distinction here was exactly what you made. Whereas Court maybe because you see in in retrospect at the, when Corey's doing his confessional that he's saying like I would never do that to to pee like I would never he was saying that's how I would do it but I'm right I'm not a parent if he would have said that in the moment it would have been a way because what this looks like is Scott being super defensive which he was Scott not understanding Corey's culture which he wasn't but also Scott being kind of like rightfully so upset because it was aimed at his child and by the way the other thing is that. Corey specifically said, like, and I quote, yeah, if P did that to me, he used her name and used himself in the example. And whether he meant it or not in the moment or in retrospect or whatever, he still said it like that. And that was, and therefore Scott's reaction was warranted. And I think the other thing that you have to understand is that, you know, yeah, sometimes people do have cultural differences, but just because it was a cultural difference, I'm like, doesn't mean that Scott still has to agree with that. Of course not. Of course not. My, no, this, exactly. Here, here's my thing. I think that Scott would be getting a lot more criticism for not understanding where Corey was coming from if Corey was saying, if Corey said, like, this is how, this is how I do it. For, like, but, but because he made it so personal, that's why Scott's reaction wasn't unwarranted. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I think Scott was defensive of, like, Honestly, I think Scott's defense was yes about his daughter, but defensive of any kid because that's not the way he was taught and not the way that he wanted to exhibit it. So his concern now is not just my daughter, but it's like, why do you think that's okay to do to anybody? And honestly, for Scott, I don't find that to be a cultural difference. I find that to be maybe a moral difference for Scott, whereas he just wouldn't handle it like that. I don't think you can say that. I don't. I genuinely don't think that's fair. I really don't. You, I think that if you, it depends. I really think it depends on like your family history. No, that that's what I'm saying. I'm saying because of the way Scott grew up, that that was a disconnect for him where he's not understanding oh, he, that. I'm not saying it's a moral difference. I'm oh. saying for Scott, he's not understanding the cultural aspect of it. In his head, that is a moral difference. You're, okay, okay. So let me just clarify what you're saying. You are saying that you think Scott's interpretation of that was that him and Corey clearly have different morals, not taking into account, no, maybe they were just raised differently. Correct. Oh, I hear you. Okay, yeah. Yes, I agree with that. And as an onlooker, especially someone who studied this, I could never, I, none of us are, 
whether or not it's your personal belief, like whether or not you think you'd handle your kids like that, it's you. We can't make that claim. You know what I mean? Because that's like we we would then be passing judgment on the way someone else does something. So, right? You agree with me? Yes. I mean, listen. When it comes to disciplining your child like that, I don't uh, discipline your child in general. Let's start with that. I don't believe that people are in a position to pass judgments on. Oh, you put your kid in a timeout. Oh, you did this with your kid. Oh, you didn't punish them for this. But I believe when Scott says, and he's upset about Corey saying that he would hit either Penelope or any other kid, that Scott is warranted in that being upset. That's something that struck a nerve with Scott and that he that upset him and he was upset by it. And whether that's a cultural difference or not, I don't think it's an issue that Scott found a problem with that across the board. I agree. I agree with you. I just think that it's not, it, maybe like in hindsight, calming down and taking pee out of it and really just thinking about it logically. I think Scott would hopefully come to the realization that you cannot judge someone's morals based on whether or not they make that decision. No matter how much you agree with it, you just can't. If you know Corey in every other aspect of his life, and that's the one way that he chooses to discipline, you may disagree with it, and you may say, don't even fucking think about doing that to my kid. But to make the fact that he finds spanking okay a claim on his moral compass— I genuinely think that if we're saying, um, you know, right or wrong, that that's one confirmed wrong, like not being able to base someone's morals. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a fair basis of Corey's morals, but I think when Scott hears that, all Scott hears is hitting a kid. Yeah, and I, listen, I get it, because it's not the way that I do things either, and I, 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 you know, obviously I'm not a parent, but in my experience with children, that's not the way that I've done it, but I I guess because of the classes I took, like, my perspective just changed a little on on understanding that, you know what I mean? Yeah, see, whereas I and the way, see, this is something that's interesting, is because we usually, not that we're not on the same page with this, it's just usually the way our backgrounds, me being more psychological, you being more sociological, are usually very in line, but when, when, psychology takes an approach to child psychology, you understand the different, um, what different disciplines have an effect on a child later on in life. So when you're looking at it from a psychological perspective, you take culture out of it. And it's like, this is what's effective. This is what you're doing as a result of what you've either been taught or what you don't have the tools to do. And that's when you can kind of look at it objectively because it's like, you know, where you, you're coming from a cultural point, which is totally understandable, and that's what you were taught, whereas I was taught, um, you're, when you do that in general, regardless of who you are across the board, the effects that it has are not the effects that you want. And exactly. therefore, it's, to me, it's wrong no matter what, because I know that the outcome that you want is not what you're going to get by doing that, and therefore, you're just doing it for no reason. Yeah, which, like, you, I totally agree with that on my own personal level, but you're totally right. My approach is just coming from, like, what was drilled into us in school. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. We just went on a huge tangent. But I think it's important. I think that, that was, like, a very—that was a really raw scene and raw emotion that we haven't seen. And also for—at one point when Scott, when Corey says to Scott, like, um, I'm going to fight you, motherfucker, word for yeah. word. He calls him a motherfucker. And that's when Chris was kind of like, holy shit. And they left. I mean, Jonathan's food god party was ruined real, real quick, which, I mean, please. I literally wrote, I would say, poor Jonathan, but this name party was stupid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they cut back to Chris and Corey, and, and Chris kind of says, like, why did you have to say anything at all? Whew, it was intense. Okay, so I feel like we're all very <laughs> familiar with the frustration of having bottles and bottles kind of pile up in our bathrooms and... Each one is falsely promising a miracle solution. They kind of work, kind of not really. And what if there was a shampoo that really just did it all? And that's where Function of Beauty comes in. So basically, Function of Beauty addresses all of your hair needs, not just one. And as we know, with like most drugstore brands, they only have, you know, they're addressing one single concern, so volumize or strengthen. And with Function of Beauty, you choose up to five hair goals that you want to add to your formula. They have safe natural ingredients, so they never use sulfates, parabens, mineral oils, any other harmful ingredients, and they're vegan and cruelty-free. So it's a sad reality, but it's true that most of the major drugstore brands test on animals, and Function of Beauty is 100% vegan and cruelty-free. I tried this, and again, all of our hair is different. I have, like, very dry ends, and I put that, and I put split ends, split ends, frizz, and, like, a couple of other things, and I was honestly very pleased. I think it's a really—it's a cool thing to be able to customize it. I feel like we customize so many other things, so why not be able to do, you know, shampoo and conditioner? So listeners will receive 20% off their first order. To redeem, head to functionofbeauty.com slash celebs and take the hair profile quiz. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash celebs to get 20% off your custom formula. Okay, can we can we go back to Chris's house? I mean, Kim's house. The next scene. Yes, of course. I'd I'd love to. Would you like to start us off? So they're in Kim's house, and Jonathan walks in, and obviously we're going back to the security issue again. And 
Jonathan walks in. They're asking him all these questions. And Jonathan is being, let me just say it, a brat, a straight up brat. They're like, fill out this. He's like, I do not fill out forms. I do not sign iPads. I don't even make my own appointments. Like he's just going on and on. It's like, First of all, Jonathan, if you would have just done it when you first walked in, it would have been significantly easier and we wouldn't still be here. Like, Jonathan's like, I don't even pay my own bills. You want me to sign into Kim's house? Like, oh my God, shut up. Like, everyone had a valid point until you came into the picture. <laughs> it was also, I thought, I thought, like, listen, I, I know he was just, he, yes, it was an annoying thing, but not, and not to get super deep, but like, I thought it was super insensitive to maybe Kim's kids, Kim's admitted paranoia in light of the robberies. Like, this isn't a woman who's never had a run in with this kind of shit. Like, right. when you're, when you're, let's see how, let's see how much you treat your security after you were fucking tied up in a random hotel room in Paris and like $10 million of diamonds taken from you. Like, I don't know. That's why I don't think Kim's being that ridiculous. Like, none of us can say that's like. I don't think Kim's being that ridiculous. I'm just, my understanding of this whole thing is that why is there not a approved guest list? Why is there not a facial thing where somebody comes and that person has clearance all the time, no matter what. There is no reason that if Chris is coming to the house every single day, and that's what she said. She said she goes for walks and stops by the house every day on her walk. Why somebody isn't going? Obviously, Kim's mom is cleared. We do not have to go through this whole yeah. process. It's just, it seems illogical and it seems like a waste of time and it seems like a waste of time for the security team. I understand if Larsa comes over and they give her a hard time or even Jonathan, but they're right. There needs to be some sort of approved guest list and there needs to be more communication with the security team and Kim and everybody else because this is just ridiculous. I- I fucking agree. They just need us there, quite frankly. Anyway, they're talking. They're kind of like debriefing the dinner last night. And, you know, they're Jonathan saying that it was uncomfortable, but there's nothing really they could say. And Kim's saying, like, it's so hard to discipline, but that Chloe and her talk oftentimes about how she thinks that Courtney is a little too lax with her kids. And Jonathan's saying, like, Courtney, Corey obviously struck a chord, and it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have been over if Corey, it would have been over if Corey didn't keep pushing it, which, as we said, they both kind of kept pushing it. And I guess, I don't know, Chloe says, you know, this. So now we're cutting back and forth. Did yeah. you explain that? No, tell So we're, we're cutting back and forth between Kim and Jonathan in Kim's kitchen and Courtney and Chloe at Courtney's kitchen. Right. So Kim and Jonathan are having discussion, this discussion, and then it cuts to the scene of Courtney and Chloe talking in her kitchen where Chloe says, like, Kim called me as soon as it happened and was like, did you hear? And Chloe kind of acknowledges to Courtney, you know, obviously you didn't call me. You were in no position. Obviously you were upset. And Courtney is like, I'm still upset about this. Yeah, and and that's when she's saying that Corey called Courtney like three times and she didn't answer. And this is when Kim is making the point that we just made intensely that like she thought that Corey was saying that if it was his kids and Jonathan's like, yeah, that's what your mom was saying, but it didn't come across like that, which is true. Like Corey did not make that point. We're just kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt that that's what he meant. And they're just, they're going back and forth, whatever. It doesn't really matter. They're going back and forth, but anyway, they call Scott. And Scott says, quote, Corey was not saying if I was the nanny, this is what I would have done. Or if it was my kid, this is what I would have done. And I said again, you mean that you would put your hands on my little daughter? And he said, hell yeah, I would. If you want to say that's your daughter, that's what you would do, no problem. But don't ever make me scared that there's a chance that if my daughter was in that position with with you, that you would have got, she would have gotten hurt. And that's very hard for me to hear. He's like, again, spot on. There's nothing productive for us to add because exactly. By the way, Scott saying my little daughter. No. By the way, Scott saying don't put me in a position where I'll be scared. No. Sorry. Hottest thing ever. Hottest thing in in 16th seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, that was the hottest moment right there. The vulnerability, the protectiveness, the, you know, we always say dads with daughters, just like, again, fuck me up. He was. It was so hot. It sh- it was it was so much more than just this one scene. It like showed so much his growth. I don't know. There was just a lot about it. Um, anyway, and Jonathan kind of made the point, which is like that Scott gave so many chances to Corey for him to change his wording, and that he just like wasn't. And I don't know. Court, basically, the end of that conversation was that Courtney and Scott agreed that they would never give their kids spanking, and we move on to the next scene. But like. I don't know. I, the reason I don't feel like we spent too long on that is because it was a it was, that was a pivotal moment. No, it was huge, and it was huge. You know, in terms of in terms of everyone's relationship with Corey, in terms of understanding Scott and, Scott and Courtney as parents, it was just in terms of like culturally understanding across the board where both sides are coming from. Because this is a debate that I saw online all week. Like I was saying, it most things from Keeping Up the Kardashians stay within the Keeping Up the Kardashians realm. When it goes outside, then it's like okay, this is a conversation that everyone's you know in putting their opinion to, and understanding both sides of that was important because when you see it online in a one quick moment screenshot you're only hearing one little snippet of the conversation. Exactly, exactly. Okay, then <laughs> this next scene, we're so close, but this next scene, I it, this, talk about like moving on to much less intense stuff, but I know you guys that are listening caught on to this because so did we. 
So Kim's with Jonathan, and Jonathan says to Kim, I saw Larsa yesterday, and Kim goes, oh, did she look pretty? Which, like, it was a weird initial question. Listen, I know Kim is vain and, and, you know, image conscious and all those things, but the first question to be, did she look pretty, it made it sound like they were expecting her not to. Like, I don't know. It was— Well, the other thing about Kim is that, yes, she's vain and image conscious, but this immediately caught me off guard in the sense that Kim doesn't usually do that. Like, if this was something that Kim always did and she's so vain and image conscious that, like, her asking that wouldn't have set off a bell. As soon as she said it, I was like, that was a really well, for two reasons thing to ask initially. Yeah, for two reasons. One, the question was weird, but two, the fact that she had to ask Jonathan as if she wouldn't know if Larsa looked pretty because maybe she hadn't seen her in a little while. That's also what it sprung right. up to me. So Jonathan's like— um, yeah, and she shows him a picture, and Kim goes, oh, she looks great. The best I've seen her look in a long time. Me and Isabel paused it, and we're like, the shade. What is going on? Guys, truthfully, I know we always talk about this, how we're so curious what's going on with Kim and Larsa, and just this week, Kim unfollowed everyone except for 12 people, which like her family and her businesses, which could mean that she's just done with the drama. She wants to unfollow people as she pleases and not have it be a news story, whatever it was. I'm telling you, something's a little up. And remember, the seed was planted when Larsa was speaking unfavorably to the press during Jordan Gate, and Kim was like, you need to fucking chill. Right? Right. And now, you know, the kid, they're in this tough position because if there is something wrong with Larsa— it, She if, knows too much. <laughs> she knows too much. The kids are all friends with her kids. Courtney, if Kim has an issue with Larsa, it doesn't necessarily mean Courtney has an issue with Larsa. And quite frankly, if I was the Kardashians after this Jordan situation, I'd be cleaning house. I would. I would not trust anybody. The Malika and Khadija, fine. We know them. We're good. But if you even have an inkling with somebody like Larsa, who was clearly using the Jordan Gates situation to promote herself and make it her seem like she's so on top and she's so protective of the Kardashians and she has their back away, she never pulled a shit, there's something sketchy there. And I think that that that's what's going on here. I truly feel like Malika, Khadija, and Simon, and obviously Alice, Simon Huck, obviously Allison Satter and Sarah Howard are like, and Steph Shep, and like maybe some of Kylie's No, there friends. are people no, that they I'm have, but I'm saying like, that's it. Like truly, like I agree with you. I think that they can count on two hands the amount of people that are fully like in their circle, 100%, hands down, no matter what. And then there's a lot of others where it's like, Iris Palmer's not there yet. Like, you know and, what I mean? And the other thing about Larsa is that it's not that Larsa would necessarily do anything bad to them, but I think Kim is now being overly conscious of, okay, just because she's not hurting us or she's not hurting our family or she's not doing anything wrong. What's she adding? What is she, is she A, adding anything to this dynamic and to this friendship? And B, if she's just using us, even if she is a really good friend and even if she is going to protect us and always have her back and never do anything to fuck us over, if she's still using us to promote her own name, then that's just not a friendship we need. Exactly. The, the rest of the scene is, I don't even want to get, it's stupid. Let's just explain well, the explain, overview and then we happened. don't have to really get Long into story, it. you guys know the narrative about Kim's security. So Chris, as the tides to make a joke of it, she calls Kim. They say, or Chloe calls Kim, says mom was just tackled. In hysterics. In hysterics. Very, very convincing. Kim watches on her phone the security footage of Chris being tackled by security. They get there. Chris is on a stretcher. Turns out the whole thing's a prank. She hired a stunt double wearing an Adidas tracksuit looking exactly like her. Basically, to kind of be like, Kim, we just wanted to scare you into doing something because your security's insane. It's stupid. This episode had so much good stuff in it that I don't even need to get into that. Okay, last two scenes, guys. This was so interesting. The, what I, the part that I'm going to say. So they're at Courtney's house, and this is a conversation between Courtney and Corey. And if you notice, it says Kim Cam. And what, what Isabel and I said when we were watching was that the cameras just weren't there for this time. And Kim is so goddamn good at like being a Kardashian, honestly, and being a fucking reality star that she was like, I better get this footage. Like we need this shit. Kim right. takes out her phone and starts videoing it. And Corey and Corey and Courtney, this was as real as it gets. Like truly, I don't think this was any production production no, it tactic. Couldn't have, it wasn't at all. It was a real life conversation that they were having, reviewing last night, trying to like make amends with each other. And Kim recorded it, which I thought was like. And they both, and, and you could see them uh, have this moment where they acknowledge that Kim's filming. They're like, Kim. And then it cuts to the commercial break, I think, there. And when they come back, the, the camera's now, like, set up on a tripod almost or someone else is carrying it so that so that Kim doesn't have to and they're more into the conversation being filmed and they're okay with it. Exactly. And um, she says, Chris, Kim's now talking to them. And she's like, here's what I think we need to, do, need to do to move past it. I think you need to realize you don't have kids, so here's two things. One, you can never talk with someone else's kids. If they, ask, if they ask advice or something comes up with solutions, but that's never something they would do. And then Courtney is saying... Corey, like, listen, I get how judgmental our family is. And when, you know, when I come to you guys with a problem, like everybody chiming in and giving their opinions just doesn't really help it. 
And she's like, I don't want to be in a position where I feel uncomfortable bringing my kids to my mom's house because of the way that you may discipline them, which was like, holy shit. And I think Corey was kind of like, Courtney, like, you know, I've been nothing but amazing to those kids, which she knew deep down. Like, I I think she genuinely knew it. And Corey then says um, in his confessional, he's like, in my culture, whooping ass, that's just normal. Whipping ass, that's just normal. As a kid, it's important that you understand consequences, but I don't have a kid, so I understand how Courtney and Scott are upset, but I'm allowed to say my opinion. Again, same thing. He's allowed to say it if what he would do with with his kid, not with them. Um, they kind of do like an agree to disagree and things are civil, which thank God. We didn't get to see Corey and Scott, which is I think what we all wanted, but it was fine. Um, okay, last scene. Round us out, Julie. Start it So up. the it, last scene is in Courtney's house. You see Penelope kind of playing the violin in the corner, which is fucking adorable. And Scott goes upstairs in the house and Courtney and Rain are playing upstairs, and they're playing this little game with these, like, two guys, whatever. So cute. Just, like, adorable. Just Rain being a little cutie, and Courtney just, you know, trying to be that attentive mother who is playing with her kids and on the floor, like, really, you know, whatever. So Scott comes upstairs, and he's he kind of waits for Rain to leave, and he's like, okay, Rain, get, get gone, you know, because obviously him and Courtney need to have this conversation now. And Courtney says to Scott, you know, it is really frustrating that everyone in our family judges all our parenting style. And they have this conversation about, you know, we do have to be better about holding our kids accountable. So, you know, we both have the chore wheel in our house, but let's, when they're at our separate houses, let's agree that we're going to be on top of both those things. And they get a check. And then when they do the right thing, they get a, a, a reward. And Scott says to Courtney, you know, a Penelope, for example, made her bed today. So when the Penelope then walked in the room, Scott and Courtney made this really conscious effort to both make a big deal out of the fact that she did something right. So, but it, but it wasn't like, you know, Penelope, we want to sit you down and tell you something. It was just the f- normal flow of the conversation. It's like, good job. He making your bed. Like they were, they were rewarding positive behavior and making her feel good about it, which I think was a smart thing. And I thought also um, what they said that was interesting was that um, they were both like, I, I liked that they were being proactive, meaning Scott Courtney was like, listen, okay, they get checks when they do, do chores, but what happens when you get X amount of checks? Like maybe they should get something. Like they were saying, we we don't really, it's partially our fault is what they were saying. Right. And I thought that that was a really like proactive way to look at it. Well, something about kids that I think every parent has to keep in mind is that when you're at such a young age, attention is attention. So it's hard for you to differentiate, I'm getting attention because I did something good, and I'm getting attention because yeah. I did something bad, because either way, I'm getting attention. So the way they did it when Penelope walked in the room, and they're like, Penelope, that was so good. Like, I saw that you put all of this on your bed, and you did such an amazing job. Like, that is attention for doing the right thing. And as they get older, they're going to now start to differentiate. Like, it feels better to be told, I did a good job because I made my bed, than it does to be yelled at because I didn't, didn't make my bed. Exactly. But in a young mind, especially at somebody like Rain's age, that's just attention. There's no differentiation. So that's when punishment does have to come into play where it's like, not only did you get like uh, a, a talk about not making your bed, there's now a consequence. And I hate that consequence. So it's attention and a negative reinforcement. Yeah, for rather sure. Rather than attention and a positive reinforcement. Yeah, I totally um, Should I have a kid? <laughs> so this is where the episode ends. And then we see the preview for next week, which is guys, literally as if the gods came down to us personally, they're going on vacation and Sophia is with them in a motherfucking jacuzzi. Like, I'm sorry, the entire family with Scott and Sophia and a jacuzzi, how in the world did we get this content? Like, what did we do for this content? I can't believe it. I don't know, but I can't fucking wait. I am already so excited. I'm telling you my favorite season thus far. I don't care. I don't care if it's a bold statement or if I end up looking stupid for saying it. I have so many thoughts. I just feel like they're so unfiltered this season. And we've I feel never like gotten I'm, that. I'm like sweating. I, I had so much to say. This outline is so long. We just, I don't know. I'm sorry that was intense, but we just had a lot to say. Um, okay. Justin Sylvester coming in. We're doing our regular episode. That'll be released tomorrow. And I don't know. I love you guys. Anything else you want to add? Nope. Don't forget, so. if you if you enjoy, seriously, a five-star review and rating it and reviewing it is really, really, really appreciated. Um, okay. We will see you tomorrow and then again next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. 
And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.